0: This is the third Sunday in Lent, and it seems every Lent I always do each week a little bit of a recapitulation, so we have an idea where the readings are leading us, where we think um, where the themes are that are the central piece to this season of preparation. And the major three themes, of course, are repentance, reconciliation, and I've said clean motives, but perhaps we could substitute for that the importance of conversion, of re-understanding the way in which we need to reorder our life. Father Thomas Keating says that the, uh, one of the ways to understand what the substance of the Lenten season might be is to remind ourselves that all of us struggle on a daily basis with three energy centers, which he calls our illusory programs for happiness. And they are around security and survival, affection and esteem, and power and control. All of those things are for us necessary as human beings to get into the right balance because we need to be able to understand and do those things to be effective and healthy and whole. And yet all of us know when security and survival becomes out of balance or affection and esteem becomes out of balance or a power and control We go off the rails fairly quickly. So the Lenten readings have always something to do with that in personal, interior terms. But remember that in the Hebrew Bible and in the early church, the primary focus of the the people of Israel and of the early Christians was not personal and interior and subjective like it is for us, for so many of us. But it was corporate community-driven. And so today, the the readings that we we read from Exodus and from Luke, I wasn't going to preach on 1 Corinthians and then I heard John read it so well that I thought I'd say a word about it because it does have something to do with being smug. And smugness has a lot to do with how we get ourselves uh, pulled together, dealing with that sense of self-satisfaction, and um, it may be unwarranted. So a brief word about that. The story in Exodus today is an epiphany. Moses sees the bush burning, and he sees that it is not burning up, but he sees the, the, the bush I must turn aside and see this great sight. And that may have something to do with saying something is occurring here in front of me and I need to pay attention. So if Lent is about a season where we focus ourselves with some intensity on uh, understanding the ways and the means that we might redirect our lives in a more godly direction, that perhaps Moses said, this is something that I can't ignore. So it's a word to each of us, isn't it, that sometimes uh, from day to day and in circumstances that may be not particularly um, religious or spiritual, it's important for us to turn aside and see this great sight, because there might be something in uh, our experience that is going to show us the presence and the power of God. When I was a little boy, I heard this read all the time, and I was absolutely Sent me. And the voice says, I am sent you. <laughs> what? I am. <laughs> I am who I am. It took me uh, going to seminary, of all things, and you know, all of us don't do that or can't do that, but to realize uh, what this was about. In the Hebrew text, you could translate it as He who causes what comes into existence. You know, Hebrew is sort of inexact if you read it, so I am who I am is uh, a useful translation too. The medieval theologians would say that is a testimony of the being of God, thought, thinking itself. So think about that. But Moses gets his marching orders from this and he goes forward. Now it's not in today's reading, but just a footnote to this. He's going to say to God, you know, I can't go back there and do this. First of all, I have a speech impediment, and they're not going to be able to understand me. And God said, don't worry about that. I'm going to send Aaron with you, and he will do all your read that and think, you know, with all the limitations that we have, uh, God works through imperfect instruments to produce and make real his purposes for the cosmos. So each one of you counts in a very important way. Paul, I'll just say this briefly, Paul was dealing with a group in Corinth, I say practically every time I talk about 1 Corinthians, that were on the bleeding edge of the dysfunctional church movement. And one of the reasons they were was that they all thought they had got it figured out. And there were a group of people in the Corinthian congregation that we would call now maybe Gnostic Christians who believed that uh, they had already received all the promises of God and that they really didn't have to do much more and that they were completely safe and saved. And that the sacramental life, as they knew it then, provided all on a regular basis. And Paul is saying here, it isn't a good plan for you to be too uh, smug. Because the people of Israel were God's chosen people. God liberated them from slavery in Egypt. And as they wandered in the wilderness and began to murmur and began to have doubts and began to turn in on themselves and also orient themselves to the past and not the future, uh, they got into one problem after another. <coughs> Jerry Witherspoon, a great uh, figure in the Diocese of El Camino Real, he's a member of St. Jude's Church, he's a military man. And one time he did a study, he would have taken the numbers in the Bible of the people who may have been in the Exodus and would have counted them all up and made the limitations with the kids and of all the people and the animals, how long would it take them to go from Egypt to the promised land? How long would this march take? And his best estimate was they would have been there in about three weeks. How long were they there in the wilderness? Well, the biblical story says 40 years. So don't you think that may be a metaphor for communities get hung up on their inability to uh, have the kind of nerve and self-possession they need in order to accomplish their work. So Paul is saying, you see, it's easy to get off the rails even if you think you have all these assurances, so you need to be a little humble about the progress of God at work in you, the progress of your recovery, the progress of your somehow coming to healing and wholeness, which is what salvation means in the Bible. In Luke's Gospel, there are two, in the first part of it, two stories about, about disasters about which we know nothing in any other location in the history of the ancient Near East. So Luke describes uh, Pilate in uh, one of his outrages. You know Pontius Pilate was a terrible person. He really was in this uh, He probably did something like this. And then there was this tower in Jerusalem that I guess fell on 18 people and killed them. Well, you know, was a view of, in Judaism there's a sort of a view that if bad things, maybe Christians have this or some of them, if bad things happen to you, uh, you know, you've done something to offend God. And Jesus says here, no, you know, these things happen to people. Stuff happens. Everything isn't attributable to God. You know? I used to You know, love canal. Children dying of of cancer prematurely because of a polluted uh, thing they're living in. God didn't cause that. We caused that. That's who caused it. But we somehow want to give some grand uh, picture to this about it must be something and what is it? Jesus said, no, but you need to repent. And here's what he means by repentance. He doesn't mean what fundamentalist preachers mean by it most of the time, which is that you and I need to get our warm sins under control. Right? Repent. Stop doing all these bad things that you know are the things we're the most ashamed of. We used to, my teachers in seminary, call them the pelvic sins. <laughs> we really need to get those under control. Particular group of people within his constituency and community. Jesus was the leader of a party in Judaism, for all intents and purposes, that we would call the Peace Party, the party of reconciliation, one of the themes of Lent. He was not a zealot. He did not believe in the violent overthrow of the Roman Empire. And he believed that we were going to move to a position of health and wholeness in human history that would be achieved by that sense of peacemaking and reconciliation. And those people within his community who believed that violence was the solution were going to suffer behind that. And think about this, if you read the Bible and you know something about the history of it, that Luke was writing about 20 years after the Romans did, in fact, burn down Jerusalem. And perhaps those people that were killed when the stuff fell on them did so when that was happened. So it's a cautionary tale about the importance of being an instrument of peace and reconciliation in the world. So this week, give thanks to God for the opportunity to look in your life and in the circumstances or through listening to people who are sharing their practical wisdom with you That the presence and the power of God is here in the world now. Give thanks for the opportunity to be somehow an instrument of that saving and healing power. And um, see if you can look at your life in a new way and uh, change direction. Amen.